You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your co-host, Carlos Noche, and I'm joined by my cool Canadian podcast partner, Lisa Schneer. Say hi, Lisa. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, Lisa? It's uh, Monday. We're recording this on a Monday. It's a beautiful day here, so I'm doing well. How about you? I'm a little raspy today, so this is my cool, a little raspy. <laughs> jazz voice, I guess, for the day. So hopefully people will find that annoying. And speaking of our listeners, hey, you may have noticed we changed the format just a little bit to kind of make it more interactive. Love to hear back from you. How's it going? Do you like the format better, worse? You know, we really want this to be a podcast you guys find value in. And speaking of which, let's talk about today's topic. Today, we're talking about training elements to be constructed in a way that meet the needs of varying age groups, generations, and cultural considerations, exploring different ways in which people learn. And to help us out with this very important topic and timely topic, I'd say, we have Leon Morris, who is the Global Sales Productivity and Enablement Advisor for Oracle NetSuite. Leon, thank you so much for taking the time today and welcome to the show. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Carlos. Thank you for having me. Definitely looking forward to uh, this discussion. And Carlos, your voice sounds good. It sounds brilliant. So, you know, definitely no worries there. I'm worried people are going to like this one better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To get us warmed up, Leon, here we go. What is something that you're passionate about, Leon, that people that only know you through work might be surprised to know about you? Right. You know what? I, I, yeah, when this came up, I was like, okay, this is going to be, let's say, a bit of a tricky one. I'll probably start first with what people know me, what they know I'm passionate about. And it's an obvious one, which is sports. So I'm, I'm passionate about sports. There's no secrets there. Everybody will know that I'm, I'm into my sports, and that's football, or what you'd call soccer over there. But something that they wouldn't necessarily know about, unless they're really, really close to me or if we have those conversations, but I'm big into food. I'm big into food. Actually, that might not be a secret. I think a lot of people know I'm into food. But food and art. I'm into mm-hmm. art, so like landscape, portrait art. And there's a recent artist that I came across called Red Rose Cake and that you'll see on on Instagram where they make or she makes they call like hyper realistic cakes Um, and I'm telling you it will if you if you go on the page it will truly blow your mind I only recently discovered some of some of their work and I definitely would say if you get a chance follow I definitely recommend looking at it there was a show recently actually season two just launched on Netflix and it's around it's called Is It Cake? And they take all of these different objects, like your, you know, your ordinary everyday objects. And what they do is they get all these cake makers in and they create these illusions to see, can the contestants tell if this is actually an edible object as a cake or if it's, if it's fake, if it's not? Yeah, I've seen that one. Or I, I haven't watched it, but I've seen it on there. And it's like, is it real or is it cake? That's yeah. it. So it's yeah. similar to that, hyper-realistic. I like that. So that's kind of mixing my two passions, really, like food and, and art. That's so cool. I'm getting hungry. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was like, geez, I didn't eat breakfast. <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's early for you guys, right? I'm, uh, 
Yeah, well, it's a little earlier, but that's awesome, Leon. That's a really cool and interesting combination of your interests. And so moving a little bit more towards your career and the topic we're talking about today, like tell us a little bit about your background. What's led you to be in the strategic advisor role that you have today? Yeah, no, I've been fortunate uh, to be a part of a, a fantastic team here at Oracle NetSuite. So my role involves being a part of the global sales productivity team here within EMEA. So I'm one of the sales enablement advisors. And a part of our our team, or my role especially, is focused towards helping to both onboard and develop the sellers across um, the entire NetSuite sales teams or community within our company. So I support with training to our sales teams, and that is across multiple territories within EMEA, so UKI, mainland Europe, um, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates as well. So pretty much helping to, to train and to onboard and train future sellers within our company. That's awesome. And sounds like a uh, quite a territory, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, and, and that, exactly that. And there's a lot of, of course, cultural considerations, market differences. And that's part of the, the fun challenge and fun side of it as well, is that um, it's different. And, you know, being a part of a great team here, we've got a fantastic program for our learners, created a great program in response to those differences. So, so yeah, exciting. What really led you to have this passion for sales enablement? You know, deep down, I feel throughout my career so far, I think I personally find a joy in communicating, training, communicating improvements to whatever it may be over, over the course of the time that I've worked with different teams. And for myself, I found a lot of passion in being able to help others in terms of understanding, whether it be a particular topic, whether it be a particular process. For me, that gives you know that satisfaction when the message has been received and it's been applied and for me there's no better feeling when you when you see that it's it's actually impacted somebody's working practice or whatever it may be so that's that's always one of the the main driving factors or motivations for why I'm in the work that I do the line of work that I do we've heard this from multiple sources that there's more generations in the workforce today than there ever has been when thinking about sales enablement, how important is the structure of the training elements in a way that it meets the needs of these varying age groups or generational backgrounds? And if it is important, how have you guys been able to achieve that? I think it's very important. You know, you have to always consider that part of your audience, you're going to have different people from different walks of life and at different stages in their career journeys. And how businesses can, how they can best achieve this is by first being conscious of your audience and creating a program that's going to be, creating a program that's going to invite discussion, okay? That's going to enrich their learning experience. And so in my case, where we have examples of sales teams who may be more tenured in their career than others amongst the groups that we've, we've trained, it's important that for the ones that, you know, have more experience, it's important to invite them into the conversation, whatever the topic may be, to help, you know, to engage them more, to provide the audience with a more tenured experience perspective to whatever topic is being discussed. And, and this could usually be a great way to open up the floor to, to have a deeper discussion amongst the entire group, whether they are least experienced to those who might have previous past experiences. And it's always a great opportunity as well to provide those amongst the audience who have a lesser experience or so some of the less experienced reps the opportunity to have a voice and engage with the conversation that is being discussed in, in that particular session. That makes sense. And so should software training 
be tailored to different nationalities, regions, and cultures? Or would it be a more generic and one-size-fits-all across different cultures and regions? So in our case, I say, yeah, there can, there can be a standardized program. Yeah. Great across different regions. And it works. You know, we, we've seen plenty of examples where it works. I suppose the challenge comes with more of the delivery of the message and being aware of, we would say, just being aware of what we'd call like colloquialisms, colloquialisms right. or, you know, making sure that you are aware of the different audiences who might be misinterpreting the content or, or the message that's being communicated. So I suppose that's probably just being mindful of kind of colloquial language that is being used. Yeah, like nuances, cultural nuances, language nuances, slang, any of those things, I guess you have to be very conscious of. And then when I think about our, like what we do when we're leading our training workshops, we want to make sure that what we're teaching translates to fit in the etiquette, I guess, of the culture as well. Because like, for example, one of the things that we talk about a lot in our value selling is personal value and that people have personal value behind making buying decisions. Like they want to look like a rock star in in the organization. They want to get home from work earlier and spend more time with their families. Like there's always a personal value element in every sale. As sellers, we often don't uncover that unless uh, it comes out naturally in conversation. But if we coach uh, people who are selling into, say, Germany, they are absolutely like, that is way too personal a question for me to ask. You know, so that would be considered professionally inappropriate for me to ask that question. That's just one example of a nuance that we hear when we're working with global teams. Have you experienced similar things? Absolutely. Yeah, you, you get that, right? And it's important to kind of listen to your audience, in our case, our stakeholders, right? And in terms of what is, like you said, in your words, appropriate, what is received a certain way, right? And being conscious of that. And I feel as a team, we've got great mechanisms for, for allowing us to be able to, to respond to those concerns if they were to come about for some of our audience members. In the same culture situation, but with the age differences, are there nuances inside that as well? Like, Because I'm just thinking, like, would a more experienced seller in the Nordic region act differently or be trained differently than a newer seller coming into that region? Of course. Yeah, I think there's always going to be a preconceived notion of 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 training for somebody who's more experienced or, or is more tenured, I would say. Yeah. And you would almost come up against a situation where that's saying you can't teach a dog, an old dog, new tricks, right? right. You've heard of this, right? And it's not uncommon that some people would take this thinking initially, right? And it's all about trying to gain that buy-in from the, those who feel is there really much more to gain? And it's about building that value. And as part of our remit, uh, as part of a training element, is to almost treat it as though it's a sales situation, right? And that would, in- and that would involve getting that buy-in, communicating the value of what is going to be gained through the use of having these, these trainings. So getting those experience reps buy-in is, is going to be crucial and important. I think it comes down to what is it you're touching on? And this is, again, this is not something we've created. This is something that is involving that constant collaboration and being in constant contact with the business, the needs of the business. We respond to the needs of the business, which allows us to make sure that we are identifying key opportunities for up-leveling our reps and identifying where there's a need for them to, to potentially see an interest like, yeah, 
this is going to be something that is going to help me be more productive. This is going to help me overcome particular obstacles that they currently face in that particular point in time. I like what you're saying there, Leon, because obviously with any training, there's a change management and reinforcement element, right? And you think about people who are fixed versus growth mindset and trying to, I guess, account for the fact that you might have some resistance, particularly I'm thinking around like experienced sellers with new technology, experienced sellers with CRM, any seller with CRM. <laughs> they don't want to put that, that information in the CRM. So I love what you're saying about like really clearly communicating the value to them to doing so or changing a behavior or reinforcing a new behavior. So do you feel that the management team element as far as reinforcement is a very crucial piece when you're looking to change behaviors? Yeah, of course. And we, we, we're constantly engaged with, with, with management as well and to get their buy-in, but also get ideas, right, to help where training is being targeted. And that's the way you gain that enrollment almost, right, that, that existing enrollment into what it is we're trying to communicate. Yeah, that's important to get that. And we've it's all about building that relationship and building that stakeholder relationship. We've had great examples of doing that. And, uh, and that can only help, right, because if you've got that being reinforced through management, then it, it really sets the right board with the reps to, to gain their buy-in to actually want to undergo more training. All right, Leanne, I really want your opinion here. And this is the part of the podcast where I might get myself in trouble. So I'll try to be careful. So there's a lot of sensitivity about language and words and perception of what you meant and didn't mean through your words. And because of it, I think a lot of trainings become very, very generic. And also don't push people enough to actually learn. And what I mean by that is, Think about it. It's getting uncomfortable is how you learn things, right? Getting yourself outside of your comfort zone is how you learn things. How have you guys been able to balance being overly sensitive on one hand to actually challenging your students, whoever's trying to learn, to get better? So if I understand you correct, is this to do with um, making sure that your audience doesn't misinterpret the message that you're trying to communicate. Would that be right in saying that? I think that's just like the, the least of it. I think there's so much sensitivity about what words you use and, and people, hey, I, I don't want to feel uncomfortable. But the reality is we want you to feel a little uncomfortable. You, We want you to feel challenged. And we have some techniques to kind of get around it. I'm just wondering first, you know, what techniques you guys have done to kind of challenge the students so that they get uncomfortable, so they learn a new concept. I wouldn't say there is an intentional to my personal opinion. I don't think it's intentional to put them in a an uncomfortable situation. I think with any learner, learning something new is always going to be a challenging prospect and one that some, not all, but some may take, I suppose, a, a negative approach to change, right? Something new. And I suppose it's really on the basis of the advisor or the, the team involved to make it, one, an enjoyable experience, an enjoyable learning experience, and that's something um, we managed to do well. And I think that can help mitigate any kind of uncertainty or any kind of negative feeling uncomfortable with learning something new. If that answered your question, I'm not too sure. It does. I tell you what I do a lot of, and I've seen Lisa do this as well. And you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier on. A, you kind of kind of have to learn your audience, right? Learn who the students are and then gain the right to challenge them. 
and I'll literally ask, hey, guys, I, I can make this as pleasant as you want, and I'll get all five stars on my review, but we probably won't learn very much today. Or we could agree to challenge each other, to listen to each other's point of view, and feel free to say, Carlos, that wouldn't work here. Or, hey, Carlos, to do that here, you need to do it differently, and here's a suggestion. And having that open dialogue is where I feel I've had the best success. Lisa, have you, have you had something similar in, from your perspective? Because you're the nice Canadian sometimes. <laughs> well, I think, you know, we're both very comfortable being challenged because that's when we can feel people pushing through the storming part of the change, right? Like you've got norming, storming, forming, uh, all of those uh, steps in the change management process. And so when people challenge us, I think it opens up a broader discussion and it also la- allows for like a, a more feeling of customization in the training is like, we want to hear what makes you uncomfortable and we want to have a conversation about that. And it doesn't mean that we're going to agree or disagree. It's just like, let's discuss. Interestingly, when you think about running these trainings and if you're getting pushback, Leon, from the sellers on the team, like, is that your approach as well? Or are you much more like do 1% better every day versus you're making this change? I don't know. Depending on what the change is, it's a, sometimes you've got to draw a hard line on it. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a balance. I think striking that balance of feedback, right? It's definitely not a one-way process here. It's in order to make sure that your learning experience is going to be fulfilling for your target audience, it's important to to know exactly that it's, how's it impacting them? And like I said, you know, the most important thing is to having that constant engagement with your stakeholders is key as well. You know, having that constant engagement is key and that's going to help drive, it's going to ultimately drive the learning experience to make it better the next time around and better the next. It needs to be constantly adapted. It needs to be agile. Hearing that pushback is not necessarily a negative, right? It's something that's going to help improve on your future learning experience. So I don't think we look at it as a challenge. I think we look at it as, a, as an opportunity to make it even better. Moving right along, are there any great qualities that you've noticed in sales folks that have really worked out as far as um, hiring and attracting the best talent? I would say being able to... Sorry, is this in, the, in response to a salesperson or what are we... Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you're working a lot with the sales teams. What are some of the qualities that you've noticed in your top performers that you can then try to identify when you're looking for more talent or bringing on onboarding new talent? Oh, I'd say, in my personal opinion, those who are more willing to learn. Um, I think that's first for learning. Taking on the idea that you can never know. Nobody can ever know everything, right? There's, there's so much to gain. And I think having that, again, having that thirst for knowledge, being inquisitive and not being afraid to put yourself out there and be upfront in terms of things that you're, you're unaware of. Right, especially in our group conversations, and we put across a topic. I feel those who are who are able to put themselves out there, the ones who at the forefront, who contribute to the conversation, who don't know, but through questioning, that allows for the, the overall group to understand and have deeper conversation. I would say having the thirst for learning and not being afraid to not know everything and putting yourself out there. I think that would be, and personally, that would be my for somebody being receptive to, to training. Based on your experience at Oracle, 
in the training programs that you're doing, what skills seem to be needed the most or lacking, do you think, across you know, the organization? Where, where are you guys putting the bigger emphasis in your training? You know, in my personal opinion, I think it's varied, right? It's varied across the board. We aim to to cover all corners. And just back to my point previously, it's 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 always constantly changing. It's always constantly changing. It's never static. The needs of the business changes. There's uh, being able to respond to sort of onboarding groups, or it could be ramping times, being you know get the team ramped up sooner. It could be folks on a particular area. It's constantly changing. It's constantly changing. And I think the most important thing is being able to adapt and be agile for those changes. So I think, yeah, we've got a varied kind of a varied program that meets all of those. It's just a matter of how that gets deployed and being engaged with with the businesses, you know, business requirements. Excellent. Well, Leon, there's a couple of questions we always ask at the end of every podcast. And in this case, I'm going to change one up a little bit. What would be one actionable thing that you feel someone could take away from this podcast and apply tomorrow? Like some piece of advice that you would give them that they can apply that's going to help them on their learning journey? I would say, again, be inquisitive, have that thirst for knowledge. In sales, you know, being consistent is going to be, is going to be key, right? Because, you know, because we know it's up and down, right? And in sales, it's important to maintain the same energy, have the right attitude, the right behaviors, got that right energy, then you are able to meet and tackle any kind of obstacle that that you're faced with. And yeah, I think to be able to anticipate that there are obstacles, that there could be external factors or general things that will be outside of their control. And again, those external factors can right contribute to affecting the ability for those sales reps to achieve their goals. But I feel through anticipation, and you know, understanding that there are highs and lows, I feel like somebody would be a you know better place to navigate and deal with those challenging times. So I'd say be you know being persistent, inquisitive, anticipating, and preparing for any eventuality in terms of performance and sales. I think that will definitely put you in a very good position moving forward in your sales career. Excellent, Leon. So all right, here's our final question of the day. We call it Acceleration Insights. What's that one piece of advice? be it business or personal, that you would like to you know, leave our listeners with that would help them be as successful as you are, my friend? Be you, most importantly. Have the desire to, to want to learn more and constantly put yourself in a situation where you are going to learn new things, right? Learn new things and, and always having that motivation. Again, it's all about anticipating, anticipating that there are things that will be quite like we said earlier in, in the podcast that would be kind of a bit daunting when you when you go into something that's new or a change but i think it's um always important that if you can anticipate that um, and anticipate that there are going to be new things to learn i feel you can use that as an opportunity to develop yourself i think the most important thing is having the thirst to develop yourself put time into yourself whether it be learning new processes new areas new lines of business within your you know your company or it could be in your own personal time how can you constantly develop and up level yourself whether it be in your leisure time what can you do that's associated with a leisure experience that you enjoy doing that's going to help you you know become a better person so i think anything that can develop you and up level you as a person is going to without a doubt benefit you in your professional work, no, without a doubt. So I think if you could take the attitude of up-leveling 
and developing yourself and investing in yourself to know more, learn more, be a better person, then without a doubt, I think that will be a huge benefit to any organization, any career you decide to to take on moving forward. Excellent. Great advice. So Leon, if anybody, any of our listeners were interested in connecting with you to discuss more on these topics, is there a preferred method of uh, communication that you have? Uh, I'll say LinkedIn, without a doubt. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Definitely hit me up there. I'll be more than happy to have a chat. We're in a hybrid virtual world globally, right? We're doing this virtually. So definitely hit me up there on LinkedIn. And yeah, we're happy to have a chat, a coffee chat. Sounds great. All right. Well, thank you so much. We know how valuable your time is. And uh, thank you for joining us today, Leon. Thank you. Thank you very much. And enjoy the rest of your day. All right, everyone, that does it for this episode. Please check us out at www.b2brevexec.com. Share this episode with your friends, your family, your coworkers, and subscribe through YouTube, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Uh, Pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, you can find us. And if you like what you hear, please do us a favor and throw us a five-star review on iTunes. I'm Lisa Schneer, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Carlos Noche. And until next time, we wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.